All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Previously on All Things Unexplained. So, Becky, we have a friend of the show that has chimed in on Facebook, Dane Beck, and he's actually from Montana, and he's passed along a lot of just incredible UFO stories and Bigfoot stories to me from his experiences in Montana and elsewhere. And he said, you know, we were talking about Harry and the Hendersons, so friend of the show, Dane Beck, said, he loves Harry and the Hendersons. He's watched it probably Love a it. thousand times. And get this, John Lithgow, we know the main main character, the dad, and Harry and the Hendersons, actually hit on his mom once. And wow. that was on Wild Horse Island, Flathead Lake, Montana. <laughs> so, a listener of uh, personal yeah. experience there with Harry and the Hendersons. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Dane. That's funny. She's also written Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho. Here's Becky. Uh, let me ask you a question. What What's your thoughts on the Patterson-Gimlin film? You know, I know Robert Gimlin and I just love him. He's just stinking cool. That's he's, amazing. He's one of the most genuinely nice people you'll ever meet. And I think he's, what, 87 this year? 86? You know, people say, I have, I've heard people say, yeah, that thing is such a crock. And I said, have you heard him speak? He'll tell you the story. And it happened way out 33 miles off the main road. You know, and, and, and people say, yeah, it was somebody in a... In a, in a suit. Where he was headed to go out and get dressed to get everything all lined up. But then you got to hear the rest of the story because when they started to come back from that, from when they saw the female Sasquatch as they started to come back, it nearly killed them. Yeah. They, not the Bigfoot, but their experience coming back. It was raining like crazy. And he said they had an old, old pickup, old horse trailer loaded with horses. They ended up mountain and he said it was so incredibly treacherous and he you know he can relate that to you and you can hear the hear the fear in the in his voice yeah. people don't make those things up you know and when he talks about the bigfoot it's incredible it's just he hasn't had an experience since then but his is like the grandfather the the grandfather of one that people go back and look at because it's yeah. just amazing. it is 
it's just amazing. Um, I've also, um, the one guy who did the, uh, the Bigfoot costumes for Hollywood, he was in my car once and <laughs> I was giving him a ride somewhere. And oh, we just, wow. Did he hit on you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's single at the time. Better be careful being seen with that guy. <laughs> he was telling me some of the stories about, you know, about how the, the Bigfoot costumes are made. And of course I've seen, you know, I've seen him, you know, $6 million man. I've seen that version because my son had a fixation on that one and we watched it over and over and over again. Classic version. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yep, it wasn't somebody yeah. in a in a suit, you know. And I, I've seen Doctor Jeff Meldrum take that apart and watch the way she walks, and and you can't make this up. I mean, you could, but it would sure take an awful lot of ridiculous amount of energy, and and then what would you get? <laughs> Something that somebody else would fight for the rest of their life to say, yeah. well, that weren't real. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, you brought up two great points there, Becky. Number one, if you look at the other costumes that Hollywood was putting out at the time, right now you look at them, you say, okay, that's fake. That's a dude yep. in a suit. It's obvious, right? But even to this day, you cannot look at the Patterson-Gimlin film and yeah. say that definitively. You just can't say it. Not only that, yeah. but the Patterson-Gimlin film... Bigfoot is a female, and you have to ask yourself if they were going to fake that, why, why, why would they choose a female Bigfoot? That that makes no sense. It would have to exponentially add to the difficulty yep. of the task. Yep. And Smitty, I'm glad you brought up the Patterson Gimlin film because Becky, I noticed on Bigfoot still lives in Idaho. The cover of your book, which was fantastic, was done by Brandon Tennant, or Tenart Tennant, I think, who was raised in West Yellowstone, it said, and the the drawing for the cover was originally titled Patty Lives, so I was actually talking to CJ, you know, about who Patty <laughs> is, and so it's a very close likeness uh, of Patty as well. Uh, you know, based on the Patterson-Gimlin film as well as descriptions of the Idaho yep. Bigfoot. Yep. Brandon's pretty amazing. He takes, he'll sit down like a police artist and he'll ask people questions, you know, well, how do you change? He'll change out the nose and the eyes. And he asked me a couple of times, you know, what would you change about this picture? And I'd say, you know, Brandon, they all look different. <laughs> They're all individual. <laughs> so... You might see something that's entirely different than me. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, something interesting from our friend of the show, Dane Beck. He said he actually grew up on an Indian reservation, the largest in the 48, the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. I had no idea about our friend Dane. Uh, I had no idea about that about him. And in their folklore, he said they have something called Goat Man that is probably pretty similar and we had a question from George Winters again, if if you're up for another sure. question, Becky. He heard you talking about Native American interaction with Bigfoot. He want to know, is Native American culture, in their culture, is Bigfoot seen with skepticism? Or is he just accepted like any other animal? He's accepted just like anything else. In fact, um, when I 
wrote the first book, I did this Bigfoot convention, and um, I went up and spoke with the elders of the of the tribe. And elders in this tribe can be male or female, so there's about equal amount, male and female. So I'm chatting with this elderly lady, and um, she said, why would you see a Bigfoot? He said, don't make no sense. Some white Bigfoot. She said, we see him all the time. We turn our heads, you know, we don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> and I thought, that's that's the issue right there, you know, because they've lost a whole generation of people who used to do, you know, the herbal, herbal concoctions that kept everyone healthy and happy and you know, and, and they've lost this whole generation of people who used to talk to the Bigfoot. I, I, some of the older stories that I've gotten from old folks on this, on this Indian reservation are about when they used to have foot races with the Bigfoot and they would, they would race them. And, and uh, oh. <laughs> the one that was told me, they said that they, they would all line up and the Bigfoot would give the humans a good long distance head start. And then at some point they would just take off and the Bigfoot would just flash right past them. Because obviously they can run a lot faster. <laughs> That's terrific. But they have that in the... That sounds like me racing you, Mal. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. We'll race live on the show next time. <laughs> if we have to loser leaves but town you, right <laughs> I, for sure loser leaves town I couldn't help a picture in my head a a record breaking show of for viewers Usain Bolt versus the yeah. Bigfoot yeah that would be cool <laughs> that would be Tim, you have so pay per view TV show ideas for the Bigfoot I know. <laughs> We All gotta get Betty, uh, Becky credit. Been written know. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually makes me think of one of the pictures in your book. So there's a picture. Uh, it's in the snow, and there's three footprints. And you had said that they were each about. I can't remember now, but they were very far yeah. apart from one another. And you don't see any other footprints on either side, and so it, it's very, very convincing that this is Bigfoot walking through the snow. Who took that picture? Do you recall? So it was given to me by one of the guys who actually found that. Um, I think it was, it might have been Chuck Rogers. I know when I did this last book, he actually did several drawings and drew what he saw, you know, and the, the patterns that were in the snow and then how the road lay when he saw the Bigfoot in the moonlight. That was really fascinating. Another guy just barely sent me a picture of that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that picture's great. I love that picture. I had actually seen something in Colorado in um, November. And Tim, do you remember when I sent you that picture? And I never, I don't, I don't oh, know yeah. why I just like kind of let it go. <laughs> I was hiking in Colorado after it had snowed. And there were just these giant prints in the snow and you know, instantly I took pictures of them and sent them to Tim. I was like, look at, look at what I'm seeing and look at them and I'll send them to you, Becky, and you can tell me your thoughts. But I couldn't tell if it was 
a foot or if it was a snowshoe or what have you, but they were huge and they were very far spaced out. And um, yeah, I, I know nothing about snowshoeing, so I wasn't sure if maybe that's what I was seeing. A snowshoe leaves a pretty definite track though, and you can't really run well with snowshoes. I mean... <laughs> yes, yeah. Good shuffle. <laughs> it's true. One, one thing I was wanting to ask you about, Becky, is I noticed in your stories that a lot of the encounters, the folks did have this smelly, you know, horrible smelling experience, and you brought that up too. And a lot of them kind of describe very similar creatures. It made it brought to mind the skunk ape of Florida. I was talking to CJ about the skunk ape. She wasn't familiar with it. And, of course, a lot of different regions in the country seem to have their own particular creature, like the skunk ape or the, the Arkansas Bigfoot, the, the creature of uh, Boggy Swamp, for example, and the folk lake monster. It... In your experience, you know, can is there a description that you can kind of give of what the general Idahoan Bigfoot looks like, or you know, his characteristics? Um, the one that I used to see a lot of, he was. I was. I'm going to have to think about this. I'm not sure how tall he was. Most people guess around eight or nine feet and unless you have something to measure against you don't really know i know that his foot his feet feet were 16 and a half inches long and that he had a pretty impressive stride because we found those footprints all over the place in the yard <laughs> down the road in the snow <laughs> um but far as face it just I've never been scared by any of them. You know, there was one, um, one of them right. that looked a lot different than the others, and he, but he was massive. He was huge. And people say, well, how big? And I, I said, another thing, you know, I don't have anything to compare him against. But we were standing about 25 feet away, and all I could see was two thirds of his chest, and then down to where his elbow was and just his head and just knowing that I'm standing 25 feet away and that's what I'm seeing I can tell you that he was huge just huge um, and some of them will have hair up to almost to their eyes and some will have hair that just look like a guy who hasn't shaved for three or four days and that just depends it just depends who you're seeing yeah. And um, one of the Indian native fellas he said that um, the more eat, the more meat that they eat, the more uh, violent they tend to be. And I don't know, I don't know about that. This is just what he told me. That in his experience, they stay away from the ones that, whose eyes tend to glow red, because they tend to be of a more violent nature. But he said there's a lot of them that'll have oh, brown eyes and like deep yellow eyes. And he said they're just regular old folk, you know, not scary at all. You are listening to All Things Unexplained. 
Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dutch Mouse. We would love for you to follow us, give us a five-star review. Check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. There you will find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon. This podcast is made possible with support from listeners like you. We are also brought to you by Coma Toast Tacos, home of Squatching.com, where you'll find my Bigfoot-themed children's books. We appreciate you. And now, back to award-winning Bigfoot author, Becky Cook. Wow. You know, it makes sense, too, that the Bigfoots that are predators would t- would probably have to have a higher proclivity towards aggressive behavior and the ability to take something down that that kind of makes sense that's fascinating so one of my husband's favorite stories that i tell um this is one that is not in any of the books because the guy who told me it wouldn't tell me the family that it happened to he wanted to protect them and since then he's passed away so i'm not sure but i knew where where it happened so, like I was telling you, a lot of the natives grew up here on this reservation and they heated with wood and they cooked over wood stoves. And so um, in this particular family, the grandpa of the family would often go in and get wood for his family to use. And he'd use a wagon and horses. So it just happened that he started coming out of the woods, bringing these huge, huge logs that there was no way an old old fella could get into the wagon and, and get him home. And his kids started saying, Dad, how are you getting these things in the wagon? And they kept pestering him. And finally he said, I have this friend. He's very strong. He likes coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, dad's losing it. Which is why he didn't tell him in the first place, right? So the next time he goes up in the woods, they followed him on foot. And they said he gets up in these woods and he sets up his camp and and hitches the horses and he builds this great big fire. And they said this big Bigfoot came down and squatted and he gave him this huge cup of coffee. And they sat there and they chatted like old friends. And then he said, "That's and I and so my husband's like, that is just so cool." <laughs> and I was thinking, "Yep, <laughs> that's amazing." It is. It is. There was one other one that I just I love this story because um, it's one of those family one of the families that has like a four generation record of living with the Bigfoot and I wish to heck I'd known this little lady because she lived only four miles away from where I grew up and I didn't hear this story until after she had passed away but the the granddaughter had had numerous experiences seeing the Bigfoot she said normally she saw it when she was being naughty <laughs> and she was doing things she wasn't supposed to do like stealing <laughs> cigarettes smoking them up in the in the in the fort and then she said one day i was playing hooky and we found this house way out in the middle of nowhere that had been put together by someone who was incredibly tall and strong 
and um, she said it was just amazing. And and um, she said then I remembered all these stories that my grandma had told me from the time I was just a little kid. And she said, you know, I'm just a stupid kid. I wish I could go back and listen to the stories that my grandma told me. And I said, what'd she tell you? And I said, well, she said, you know, as the people in the tribe got more financially stable, they would build bigger houses. And the, her grandma lived in just this little dugout of a, of a cabin type place where the toilet was 40 feet down the road in the back house you know brick and the whole works and she wouldn't live in it she would stay in her little cabin and so she would need wood and and uh, and the family would go get her this wood and she said so we went out into the woods and we brought back this load of wood for grandma and we just dumped it in the middle of the driveway on a saturday and said now just leave it alone grandma we'll be back tomorrow we'll stack it and they came back the next day and the entire thing had been stacked just sweet as can be and she said grandma we told you not to do you know you're not supposed to touch this and she said i didn't my friends did and they're like your friends you know oh yeah yeah it's these bigfoot but she said that these bigfoot would show up and they took good care of her grandma they had been good friends for a long time and she said during the middle of the winter when the snow was really deep, they would come and they would break a path from the back door to her outhouse. And she said there was just one time, she said, I swear it was a trick of the sun. But then she said, knowing what my grandma knew, I don't think so. But she said they came, she came to visit and her grandma was sitting in this rocking chair behind the one house. And seated beside her was another Bigfoot in another chair. And she said, as she got up, her, she said, my grandma died when she was 94 and she had a bad hip. And this Bigfoot got up and it looked like she had a bad hip, you know, because she just kind of stumbled and, and um, kind of drug that leg a little bit. And she said, she said, I didn't remember that until I was quite a bit older when I started seeing the Bigfoot a lot of my own. But she said, now I wish I'd gone back and I could listen to my grandma and say, Grandma, tell me these stories. When did you first meet them? You know, stories like that. I just think, you know, it bothers me when people say, well, they're just stupid beings. And I think, no, no, they're different from you and I, but they're not stupid a lot more to them you give them credit for it you just you just don't see the whole picture so anyway maybe i'm the weird one <laughs> no but i do think we all wish we could go back and listen to our grandparents a little bit more <laughs> and learn a little bit more from our grandparents would be a good thing yeah. <laughs> that's right you know, both those stories you just told me reminded me of another encounter you described in Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho. And we're talking to Becky Cook, award-winning Bigfoot author, Becky Cook online. But this was in Basin mm -hmm. Patch in 1999, so quite Dale a while Graham. back. Yep. And this, that's right, Dale Graham. And this was just a fascinating encounter to me because he talked about finding hundreds 
of footprints, 16, 17 inches long, plus smaller yep. ones. So kind of, you know, making you think there must have been juveniles or teenagers or at least younger ones or different size ones at the minimum. And and Dale Graham was loading, and you included a picture yep. in your book, which was just an incredible picture, just mind-blowing. Like, whoa, this, this is definitely the footprint of a very large bipedal creature, right? It's hard to look at it and say anything else. May, you know, sure, maybe it's a giant human, but this is, <laughs> this is just mind blowing. I tell people about that, though. You <laughs> right? Know. It's, a, it's a giant. <laughs> Shaquille right. O'Neal has size 22 feet. And you don't <laughs> see that man run around barefoot. Nope. <laughs> Especially not probably in the woods, you know. No, right. And, you know, we you could ask him, have you been. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of Idaho lately? I mean, come on. But, you know, you look at the footprint, like the giant bipedal creature made this. It's just the only thing that comes to your to your logical mind. And but Dale was loading wood into a truck and involved all he suspected it seemed like it involved all this wood knocking, right? So both these stories you just told me involving people carry wood, it does make you wonder, hey you know, just like we've seen on television and heard lots of stories of, do, you know, does wood knocking play a part in their communication? Does it does it carry any meaning? Do you think? I know when I very first went um, <laughs> and wanted to make connections with them, I did a little bit of knocking, but to me, it seemed, I don't know, just looking at it, I felt really kind of juvenile even doing that. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I'm out here, yeah, this is me, just knocking on the back door, hello, anybody out there? I feel so silly. <laughs> so, I don't know what that means, and uh, there's a lot of things, uh, I told a friend once, he said, you know, in an, in an ideal world, I would love to write their history, you know? Someday, if we made connections with them and actually got to know them, I would love to write a history and, and what they did and, and how they did things and why did they do certain things, you know? It, one of the Indian gals I talked to, she said, once they get to know you, it's as though they put a spiritual marker on your head and they recognize you no matter where you are. And I think that's happened with me a couple of times where um, I've been somewhere where I didn't suspect I'd ever run into a Bigfoot and yet, you know, something would happen and I'd just think, no, wait a minute, that was a Bigfoot. No. So, anyway. <laughs> it seems like those that have the experience are respectful of the experience are open to understanding tend to have more experiences whether that's because whatever they're interacting with understands that they respect them or who knows but um, for those of our listeners that you know, are hopeful to have their own experience it seemed to me there were some themes in the book in terms of leaving gifts of food there was a lot of music, drums that were being played. What have you discovered in all of your research that they wanted to visit Idaho and, you know, search for the Bigfoot? What should they be doing? 
there's, uh, I can't even remember, but I did include the story of how I first started um, talking with the Bigfoot. Um, as I've gotten to know more and more places, I've just paid attention and you, I could tell you where they cross different areas. In fact, my, the guy I interviewed, Dale, Dale Erlinson, he said the same thing. He said, there's certain places where you always find footprints. There's, you just always find them. Anyway, when I first started actively seeking a relationship with these Bigfoot, um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm, I'm Christian. And I believe that God created everything here on this earth. So because th that is the way I believe, I figured I would ask my Heavenly Father, how would I get in touch with these Bigfoot? You know, if they're, if they're actually out there, how do I get hold of them? And the thought came to my mind to just go out and do some, do some, some apples. And it was like March. You don't, you can't find apples really well outside in March in, in Idaho. So I took some apples out. Actually, I took some apples and some carrots. We have to tell the horse, whole story here. Take some apples and carrots. <laughs> Knocked on the wood, you know, once, twice, three times, something like that. And then I just enjoyed being out there i was out in the most beautiful area i just love it i and um, when i'm outside i sing and i you know just i'm i was just enjoying being out there and i had these apples and i laid them on this fence in a distinctive pattern um bigger to smaller you know kind of random laid out right. and then I put the carrots up on top of the fence because they they weren't going to stay anywhere else <laughs> so I came back oh seven or eight days later and um, some of the apples were completely gone some of the apples were still there but had been moved around and then one or two of them had bites taken out of them big bites you know and, and this is it's in it's out far <laughs> enough that there might have been some humans out there, but not not likely, really. So, um, so I took a few more apples, and I set them up in another pattern. Left the carrots, which were looking really pathetic by then, and I came back after another week or so, and um, some more of the apples are gone, and some more of them have been eaten, and those carrots looked so fetch and pathetic. I mean, just puckered up. <laughs> so I just winged them over the fence and basically just threw them away. And then I brought a few more apples and set them out. And, and this, the third time I was there, I found this apple that was just huge, just huge piece of, just a huge apple. And I set this, set them all up on the fence. And I came back after about eight days and um, most of the apples were gone by then. And here's this big apple. It had one bite taken in, just one. And it had taken more than half of the apple. Just one bite. And I thought, okay, that's that's stinky dang cool. Okay, so um, <laughs> some time went by and I had a, a friend out there with me who's Native American. She's Cherokee Choctaw. She's out there with me. And um, altogether there were seven of us humans. And we actually ran, we actually saw some Bigfoot um, that trip out. We, we ran into three Bigfoot. One was the great big one that I told you about. And two were, were some like juvenile ones. 
Um, but I showed this this friend of mine where I had laid these apples out. And uh, I told her, I said, one of these days I'm going to bring out some melons because the Bigfoot really like melons. She grows the melons in her garden and then she'll, she'll trade the Bigfoot for various things. But she suggested I put some melon out. And, and you know, melons aren't cheap, especially in Idaho during the middle of winter. So I, it was some time later when I found this melon that was probably a little worse for wear. <laughs> but I took it out in the same area where I'd had the, the apples. And there, there's this, it was an old um, homestead area where they had these old trees all in a row. And some of them, the branches had fallen out. And this particular tree, there was this nut, like a squirrel would put nuts in but it was way up in the tree. So here I am, 6'6". Six, six. If I'm, I stood with my belly against the tree on my tippy toes with my arms extended. So I'm, I'm just barely touching maybe eight feet. And I rolled that melon into the hole. And I stepped back and I looked so stupid. It was a honeydew melon. Looked like a green eyeball sticking out of this tree. <laughs> so, I just left it, you know, and I think I took a picture of it, but I, I've not, I've not since then, so it probably didn't happen. Anyway, um, I came back after seven or eight days, and the melon's gone, and there is nothing left. And and so my my logic on this was thinking, okay, if there was a squirrel or if there were birds or something, you'd find rind, you'd find something left over. But there was nothing left over there. And at the bottom of this tree, in the dust, were these gigantic footprints. And I did not take my cell phone with me. I was just out to be out, you know. And um, I didn't have anything to measure with or anything but, but my own feet. And these were so much bigger than my feet and a lot wider. So I'm, I'm thinking that they were from a male Bigfoot and possibly the big one that we'd seen up in the mountains. Huge footprints, and I remember stepping back from that and having such a feeling of awe, and thinking, "Holy cow! Look at these prints, man! I'm I hope they enjoyed the melon. <laughs> that still just makes me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I guess in a perfect world, I probably could have gone all the way back home and got a phone, got my phone, or got it." camera or something and came back and taken pictures but it was enough for me to see it and to experience it that was just really cool <laughs> yeah so there you go folks bring honeydew with you <laughs> and head apples. to idaho and take honeydew <laughs> i'm gonna take some apples and honeydew to the uori here in north carolina and and zagnut of course so if have you ever uh -uh. have you ever heard of Zagnuts and uh -uh. and Bigfoots, Becky? So there there's a well, Zagnut is a candy bar. I, I used to keep a stash up here with me. I had to I had to order them on Amazon because they're really hard to find now. So they're basically like pe a peanut butter candy bar with coconut and a dark chocolate covering. They're delicious. But there's a Bigfoot researcher here in the Uwari National Forest. And he's, he, you may have seen him on television before. He's got some 
famous thermal imagery of a Bigfoot in the Uwari reaching for a Zagnut bar on a stump that he's left out <laughs> for him at night, right? So he leaves the Zagnuts out for Bigfoot. So I'm definitely going to try honeydew, apples, and Zagnuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a <laughs> Put I a few muscadines out, that'd be good too. Y'all yep. <laughs> yep, probably don't know what muscadines are. <laughs> I, I like a Snickers bar better than a Zagnut. Huh? I like a Snickers muscadine bar. Muscadine wine? No. Not for me. Muscadine wine, quick, I think we could leave that out. Not for me. Well, Becky, it has been just such a joy having you on with us. And I thank you for sharing all of your stories. And for those that are interested and they should be, they can check you out at um, beckycookonline.com. Lots of books and different things there. Do you have any speaking engagements or anything else coming up soon? Oh, there's a couple of um, conventions that are going to happen. One over here in Idaho and then one down in Utah but I don't have all of the specifics yet. Um, we did one online convention last fall that was really fun, and, and people are like, you should do another one of those. And I just say, nah, I'd rather be out with the people and listen to people and, you know. <laughs> and are you on social media where people could follow you and get those details? Um, on BigfootLibs.com, uh, we have a section in there for the calendar that I don't think has been updated. My uh, my web gal got in an accident a little bit ago, so she's behind, and that's okay. Um, but on Facebook, we're BigfootLives.com, or BigfootLives on Facebook, and then BigfootLives.com. Um, and I try to frequently when I know what what's going to happen. So... We've had quite a few of, um, I've been on quite a few podcasts and radio shows, and that's been a lot of fun, and I try to put the links up there, so I know from what my web gal said, they won't all go up, but <laughs> some of them will. <laughs> <laughs> nice, so we'll certainly link all of your stuff to our page, and uh, Smitty, Tim, you guys have any further questions before we let you get back to life <laughs> you really are a gem i've never enjoyed talking about bigfoot as much as i have tonight so you you've had some really good stories and enjoyed it very much thank you thank you very much yeah thanks thanks so much for coming on with us becky i just want to tell you that one of my favorite quotes from you in your book was something like this Bigfoot are not human beings. They are their own type of beings. They cannot be credited with human reactions. Some of their reactions are similar to ours, but but mostly not. Bigfoots are unique and have their own way of life. And I think those are wise words for all of our listeners to remember when they're out there in the woods and to be respectful of the land and of the Bigfoots. And I think that will serve everyone really well out there. Thank you so much for joining us, Becky. It was amazing.
amazing. And thank you to all of our listeners and people that chimed in as well. You can find us at allthings-unexplained.com to find more of our podcasts, past, present. Give us a rate and a follow. We would love to hear from CJ Smitty, that was an enjoyable talk. Yes, it was. Uh, She was was great. I really enjoyed talking to her. Wonderful. She's a lot better than talking mounts. And I did locate my pictures from Colorado. She's absolutely better than talking to me. And such a great storyteller. Yeah. I mean, holy cow, so many, she just knows so many stories off the top of the head of her head. And just a sweet, seemed like a sweet person, just a nice, genuinely nice human being too. So, you know, she just really seemed to care about what she's trying to accomplish. Oh yeah, that definitely came across in her stories and to me, just put them on the next level of believability, you know? Yep, yep. Like, she's definitely no, you know, just not some hugster out there trying to peddle something. You know, but she's a, a real, genuine person. No, she didn't even promote her anything once. <laughs> no, she's just down to very down to earth and genuine. Yeah, just really sweet person. I enjoyed that very much. Smitty, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, uh, just subscribe to our channel and. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and our own webpage. Beef. We have a website. I just messed up. My bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, check out our website. Listen to all things unexplained. Be happy, be strange, be unexplained. Thank you. See y'all. See ya. This has been All Things Unexplained. You think it'd be too much to call her a top Bigfoot expert? Uh, we're live now, by the way. <laughs> he missed that. Well, that's what I thought. I mean, she's pretty big in the Bigfoot circles. Was that a Bigfoot joke? <laughs> Good to be live. Oh, some people are panicking. I'm not really too worried about it personally, but... What's the moth, man? Okay.